I saw a church sign the other day that said our pastor's not very good, but he's short. I can promise you at least today that I am not long-winded. If you're new here today, my name is Jeff. I'm actually the worship minister. That's why I was singing a moment ago. Brian, our lead minister, is on vacation, so I get the opportunity to talk to you guys today. It's been a really busy season in our lives. We just bought our first Missouri house on Tuesday, so we've been moving in this week. We actually just finished that up yesterday. The baby's about to turn a year old. I've got a little baby Sadie who you're going to hear yelling throughout the morning. So we're planning the party of the century. I just finished up some schooling. I got ordained last Saturday. Just been, yeah, it's been a, a wild ride. Just had our eighth wedding anniversary. I can't believe she's put up with me for that long. I mean, it's an understatement to say that we've been busy, but these are all really good things, you know? These are all blessings that are coming into our life. These are things that we've hoped for and worked for for years. But on the other side of it, it's interesting to see because none of these things came to fruition the way that I wanted, as so often it happens. And none of these things happened when I wanted them to happen. I had a lot different ideas about how life was going to look than how God has worked it out. So often it's only through the lens of time that we start to see the hand of God revealed. And that's why I was so excited to be able to talk about hope today in our Believe series. Hope has grown as a spiritual practice in my life personally. And I'm learning that hope looks a lot different than I thought. My hope relies on God, who's been with me so far and shows no signs of changing. And I'm excited to dig into this together with you. First thing I learned is that hope is not optimism. Optimism is psychological, and that means you basically can't change anything, right? When you're optimistic, you can hope, you can want something to happen, but nothing's going to happen. It only works on things uh, like your attitude, things that you can control. Optimism also has this dirty little habit of saying things aren't as bad as you think. The sun will come out tomorrow. Everything's going to be fine. How often does that really work out? But hope says, yeah, things are bad. Things are really, really bad, but I believe. So today as we talk about hope, I want to talk about this word hope a little bit. Hope is one of those words like love or faith that we've sort of turned into a lot of things and washed a little bit. First hope we're going to talk about is wishful hope. That's what we're talking about a moment ago. That's I hope the light turns green. I hope I win the lottery. Things you have absolutely no control over, but that's usually how we use the word. The second one we're going to call expectant hope. And expectant hope is a little bit better. This would be, uh, I went in the garden, I planted some seeds, I hope they sprout. You have a reason to believe that they may sprout. You did something. It's a little bit better. Doesn't work out for most of us every spring, but we gave it a shot. And the last one we're going to talk about is certain hope. And certain hope is this hope that we see in the Bible. This is the kind of hope that we build a life on. Certain hope doesn't wish. Certain hope is assured. I think of it like skim milk, whole milk, and heavy cream. You know, one is just a, a watery representation of what it should have been. Whole milk's a little bit better, but then we got heavy cream. It's in a latte, maybe an Americano with a little sugar-free vanilla. Just fatty and delicious. If you never have heavy cream in your coffee, please start today and think of me. Certain hope is based on the fact that God cannot lie, or you could say that God is self-limiting by his nature. 
And this is a great reminder that when God says he's going to do something, these things that we're going to look at today, he's going to do it. So when those lies come into your life, when those, that uncertainty comes into your life, that's not from God. And we can speak against that from what we know to be true. Hebrews 6.19 says, The certain hope of being saved is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. I love this description of hope as an anchor. What is the purpose of an anchor? Well, we all know. We're familiar with anchors, right? Probably something like this holds your boat in place when you're fishing, taking a nap, so that your boat doesn't float away. But an anchor serves another purpose as well. It adds stability in a storm. It reduces pitch and roll. It grabs on and anchors you down when the storms come. So this is a tiny anchor. This is a big anchor there. Anybody know what this anchor's from? Titanic. This is, mm, this is actually one of the anchors used on the Titanic, and it apparently took 30 horses to move that anchor back in the day. And they're different... They're different things, but they're the same thing, right? And so often we try to anchor our lives to things like this when God's made an anchor like this available. You can't imagine trying to anchor a large ship to something like this. Can, you can't imagine trying to anchor your life to something that's anemic or misplaced or not designed to be an anchor. But we do it. We all do it all the time. We anchor our lives to things like relationships or, or money. Maybe it's pills. Maybe it's in a bottle. Maybe we spend money that we don't have because we get a thrill. You know, we anchor our lives in things that just are not solid ground. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, that's not me. I don't do things like that. I don't abuse anything. I don't cheat on my spouse. Sure, but places of false hope can be tricky. These, these false anchors can be good things in our life. How often do we anchor our hope to our health that we're never going to get sick, that we're never going to die? that the people in our life are going to stay in our life, that our kids are always going to be okay, that they're always going to stay with us. To our job, that job that you love to wake up and, and do every day, that's not guaranteed to be there. These things are good things, but inevitably they fail because they were never designed to be an anchor for our life. And we get mad when these things go away, don't we? Why is my health failing? God, why are you doing this? Why is my kid going off the wrong path? Why did I lose my job? But it's not God's job to change our circumstances so we can continue to put our trust in things other than Him. So the key question is, how do I deal with hardships and struggles in life? Because they're going to inevitably happen. These things are going to fail, and we're going to struggle. Well, today I want to look at the promise of hope this promise of hope that's played out in the Bible and the promises that I think apply to our lives today. We see in Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to look at a guy in the Bible named Abraham and see how he discovered that kind of hope. The Bible says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. We'll stop right there for a moment. So if you're not familiar, Abraham is one of the first main characters we see in the Bible, one of the first heavy hitters. He was married to a woman named Sarah, and they had some of those storms and struggles in life. They were uprooted. God had told them to go 
uh, to another land. So they never really felt like they had a place to call home. And the kicker was they had always wanted kids, and God had promised them a family. He promised them a great nation, but it hadn't happened yet. In Genesis 12, here's the promise. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. So in Genesis, when this promise is made, Abraham, he's still Abram at this time, and he's about 75 years old. So you can imagine, month follows month, year follows year, decade follows decade, and still no kids. If anyone has a reason to be disappointed or hopeless, it's Abram. And still, in Romans 4, and still against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. What did he believe? Well, simply this, that with God, things work out. That with God, the best is yet to come. That's the essence of hope. It's the confidence that with God, no matter what, things work out according to his will. You know, we see this in verses that we have committed to memory, a lot of us. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Or in Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We see in those the promise of hope. And having these verses committed to memory is such a beautiful thing because we can speak against that hopelessness when it comes into our lives. That's what Abraham believed, and that's what Abraham discovered. It says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Let's look at that again. That's a little tricky. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. It sounds a little contradictory, but we learn an important point from Abraham here. Hope accepts the faithfulness of God over the apparent facts of life. He didn't ignore the facts. It says right here that he faced the facts. He faced the facts that they were both basically as good as dead, as old as dirt. But Abraham was convinced that God is the Lord of the facts. In Romans 4, 17, we see, As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. He understood that God calls into existence the impossible, that he could raise a nation from bodies that could no longer conceive. And he understood that the facts of life do not determine the will of God. And here's, we're going to write this one down in your bulletin. Instead, the will of God determines the facts of life. And he's promised that no matter what those facts may appear to be, things are going to work out according to his will because they are subject to his will. It's a great statement, but what would it look like if we believed that? My wife and I pray every night, like many of you do. You know, and we pray for all the big, scary, baby-having, house-buying, moving-to-another-state sort of things that you do. And it's easy to give those things to God and say, I, I know that you're going to work it out. And then you wake up the next morning just, just freaking out, right, about this impossible thing. We give lip service to, to this hope. We give lip service to the fact that we think God is going to work things out. But then so easy in the moment, it's, we fall back into limiting God. We, we, fall, we limit him into what we have known to be true in the past, what the doctor said, what we think is reasonable, instead of just 
giving it over to God and understanding that he is the Lord of the facts. There are no hopeless situations. There are only people who become hopeless. Let's look back at Abraham. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully, pers fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. So what was Abraham's basis for this hope? This is kind of a radical hope. It doesn't seem to make sense in his situation. Their bodies are as good as dead. How is this possibly going to work out? Well, let's look at the last sentence from this passage in Romans 4 we've been looking at. Romans 4.21. It says he was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. The basis of his hope was this. God keeps his promises. We, we can always have hope because God always keeps his promises. This isn't a pie in the sky, ignore reality, hope things work out sort of thing. This is a hope in the God of hope who always keeps his promises. So what are these promises we keep talking about? We keep saying God keeps his promises. What has he promised us? You know, we know for Abraham it was a great nation, it was children, it was a homeland. But we're talking about you and me, right? What do we do today when we leave? What do we trust in? Well, I think there's three promises of God that make him the God of all hope that apply to everyone. Here's the first. I can hope because God always watches. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what our abilities or inabilities, God's always watching over us. It says in Psalm 139, O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my every thought when far away. You chart the path ahead of me and tell me where to stop and rest. Every moment, you know where I am. What does that mean? It means that God's always watching over us. He never takes his eyes off us. He never gets distracted. No matter what, he is watching. Our baby is a, about a year old, like I said, and I'm firmly convinced that God gave me a child to make me more patient and less neurotic because you cannot reason with a baby. <laughs> I try every day. And I've learned to love just following her around as she destroys everything in her path, pulls books down, you know, flips pillows over, makes a huge mess, and then sometimes spits up on it for good measure. <laughs> but I love watching her around, and it's not to rebuke her. It's not to clean up behind her. It's because I don't want her to get hurt, you know? We all do that as parents. You just love watching over your child. Even most of the time, she probably doesn't know I'm there. Don't you think God is the same way, much the same way with us? He loves to watch over us, not to catch us in a mistake, but because he loves watching over us. He's always watching. So we can have hope when the storms of life come because we know that God is always watching us, but that's not all. We can also have hope because God always works. Not only does God always watch over us, but he always works. Psalm 121, the Bible says, My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. It means that God is always at work in our life. You don't have to wake him up to get him to do something. And just like my baby, he never slumbers or sleeps. He's always there. In the dark when no one else is awake, in the storms when no one else is around, God is working. So we can hope because God always watches. We can hope because God is always at work in our lives. We can also have hope, and this is a good one. We can also have hope because God always gets his way. Let's go back to Abraham in the book of Romans here. 
He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Abraham was getting old, but God's promise wasn't. No matter what his circumstances, his abilities or inabilities, his obstacles, no matter what nature said, God's promise still stood. And Abraham received the blessing of a son named Isaac. And through that son and his descendants came Jesus, who brought the blessing of forgiveness to all of us. But notice, this took a while, because God's always more interested in building your faith than he is in meeting your timeline. Abraham waited patiently for that promise. In Genesis 21, we see, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. You see here the reward of hope is a blessing from God. But again, that may not come when you want it. Do you think Abraham wanted to wait till he was 100 to have a kid? No, absolutely not. But he was patient. It literally took decades. It blows my mind. And the blessing's not going to happen in the way that you want it. You know, God was faithful to him. He did come through. But when Abraham died, all he had of this lineage, of this promise of a great nation, was this one kid named Isaac. That's not how he wanted it to happen. And it's not going to happen that way for us. The blessing God has for us when we live by hope, it's probably not going to come the way we want it. But rest assured, it will come. God keeps his promises. So this happens to all of us, but I almost got eaten by a beaver the other day. That's supposed to be funny. We were in Branson uh, on a family vacation. There was this nice, pretty little lake, and the water was down kind of low. So we were down in this little rock area taking pictures with the baby. You know how you do cute little pictures to post online. We're down there for about 10 minutes and climb right back up out of the other side. And my sister starts yelling, turn around, turn around, turn around and look. And there's a beaver just 10 feet away, exactly where we'd been sitting. He'd been just hanging out in the rocks and a crack in the rocks three or four feet behind me the entire time that we were there. It's so amazing the things that we don't see when we're not looking. It's amazing the things that can be going on behind the scenes, you know? In the dark when we feel like nothing's happening in these, in these times where we need, to, we need to hope. Understand that there's a beaver hiding in the rocks. That's the only thing you remember today. God is working. And he's working toward this promise of a future. He's watching over us. He's working in our lives. And he always gets his way. So it leaves us with a simple question today. What impossible issue do you need to put in the hands of the God of hope so you can leave here with the confidence that he's going to work things out? What are we trying to anchor somewhere else? What do we feel like isn't going to happen that we need to just hand over and let God handle? I challenge you to do that today. Let's pray together.
God, you're so good. You're so steadfast. You're so trustworthy. Today, we want to take a step closer to you and rely on you more. We want to trust your plan no matter what that looks like. And when fear comes into our lives, help us to just answer that with praise and trust. The steadfast anchor of hope that we have in you. Help us this morning and in our lives to be sensitive to your work and to be grounded in your truth. It's in your name we pray.